Welcome to Truth Behind Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Dolores Semeraro, former corporate PR girl and digital communication specialist, now hospitality speaker and trainer on a mission to help travel companies and tourism organizations to restore travel confidence. Truth Behind Travel Podcast is a weekly interview series in conversation with tourism industry leaders and travel professionals about what goes on in the industry today, how do we embark on the journey to travel recovery, and restore confidence in travel. Truth Behind Travel brings you the key facts to help you travel once again, better, easier, and smarter. On today's episode, we are exploring the ugly truth of today's tourism and travel core challenge. COVID-19 cross-contamination when traveling. Countries all around the world have been implementing several measures to stop or contain the outbreak of the virus over the last few months. Some more extreme than others. Today, as the first vaccines are being distributed in Mauritius, I speak to the former Director of Public Health Services in the Ministry of Health of Mauritius, Dr. Vassentrao Gujadeur. He has served as an elected member of the Medical Council of Mauritius for over eight years, representing the Ministry of Health as the focal point for WHO International Health Regulations and for the Indian Ocean Commission for Health since 2017. Dr. Vazentral Kujadur has been instrumental in the management of the initial response to COVID-19 in Mauritius. He has over 35 years of experience as medical practitioners in the public sector. If you're planning to travel again soon, you must not miss the advices he shared during our conversation. Travel to Mauritius is currently being subjected to mandatory 14 days quarantine. Dr. Gujadur tells us the rationale behind this protocol and the steps taken to keep the destination safe during his time in office. Before I share with you the conversation I had with Dr. Gujadur, Give me a moment to remind you about a very important thing. Every Thursday, a new episode of this podcast explores the highs and lows of travel recovery. And by subscribing to the podcast, you will be the first to hear the strategies and the insights of tourism leaders and those shaping the future of the travel industry. The links are in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. The links are there for you. See you on the other side. Welcome back to the program. Today, I have a very special guest uh, joining me on the show, Dr. Gujadur, connecting from Mauritius. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to have an open discussion with you as regard to coronavirus COVID-19. Yes, I think it's an not only am, an, an important conversation, but it's critical at this given point, especially when it comes to travel recovery, to share what goes behind the scene of traveling during a pandemic. And within your capacity of former director of public health at the Ministry of Health of Mauritius, I believe that the conversation that we will have today will be beneficial for many of our listeners that are approaching traveling again, but also for many of the people working in hospitality and tourism and in regards to the safety 
the, the health and safety protocols that they need to implement and execute. Would you like to tell us a little bit about your background as we start this conversation? Thank you. I am Dr. Vassan Trao. We spell it Gujadar. I have been working for the ministry for 35 years. I am a public health specialist. I have worked at different levels in the Ministry of Health, Ministry of Health. I have worked in the general hospitals as a medical and health officer, as a resident. I have worked in the primary health care. I was promoted to regional public health superintendent, which is in charge of all communicable diseases in Mauritius. I worked for some time as a regional public health superintendent. I worked as a community physician in charge of an area of about 20,000 people for several years, where we had the primary health care and the non-communicable disease together, incorporated together. Lately, I was promoted to director of a, one of the regional hospitals of, of the capital. I was the director of Dr. G2 Hospital for three years in charge of all aspects of care and management of the periphery of the community centers and area centers and the hospital at the same time of the mental hospital. I worked for three years. Then I was promoted as director of health services at the headquarters, Minister of Health and Wellness as director of public health. So I had a team, my team, consisted of several doctors, regional public health superintendents, public health specialists, uh, community physicians. We had uh, statisticians, epidemiologists. We had uh, a good good, uh, team, which we have been working together for different epidemics. So for, for this epidemic, we started the work at the level of ministry as early as the second week of January. Because if you see what's happening in the world now, retrospectively, all the big, sophisticated countries with all facilities, medical facilities, etc., like United States, UK, Italy, so many countries, they're all in problem. Because I think we had we need a preparedness plan. The main thing is a preparedness plan sensitization of the public, prepare the public, because we have been doing it since the second week of January, sensitizing the public all around the island, sending out posters, sending out pamphlets. At the airport, we used to give pamphlets and posters to all travelers coming in, sensitizing different companies, the banks, the CEB, the the Central Water Authority, etc., schools and all the different departments were sensitized by the Ministry of Health. What were the main challenges of, of this stage of the preparation of the plan? The problem is people are very, very difficult to they react to react to change. If you tell them sanitization, if you tell them washing of hands, coffee tea takes, etc. etc., they say, What is this? What is that? Why should I do that? There's no case in Mauritius. It's in China. China is very far from here. So the, this is the, I think this is the first thing where we had to tackle it hard to explain to the people that 
change, behavioral change is one of the most important things we have to do in order to prevent the spread of these diseases in Mauritius. What do you think was the percentage, let's say, of country penetration of this of the plan, of the preparation plan? How, in terms of the cascading of all these protocols, what was the penetration across the country? By the beginning of March, I think directly or indirectly, everyone was aware because we transmitted it in different ways. Like we talked to different stakeholders, schools, schools sent to children, children transmitted to the parents, in the banks, in, in different, uh, how you call workplace. And at the same time, we sent posters and pamphlets to everyone. We got 13 public health office in Mauritius. Mm. It's, it's all well distributed in the island where we have our health inspectors, public health inspectors, we have our health surveillance officers. They are well trained in house to house. They are well trained in going, especially when they do surveillance of incoming passengers as they go to mosquito borne disease. They know where to go and how to go. So these people, they know the networking of the whole of Mauritius. And this was an asset for us to use this platform and communicate everything as they got to coronavirus to the population. At the same time, we have a networking of around 120 community health centers and area health centers. Within three kilometers reach of a population, we have one center. And together with all the informative materials and the posters and the campaign made around, uh, yeah. the, the awareness campaign made around the country, along with that came all a whole lot of chemicals and a whole lot of detergents that were meant yeah. to be, were imposed, were, were cascaded to be used by the population. There's been a, a huge use of these chemicals. What do yes. you think? is the long-term impact of these chemicals on our health. You know, as an infection control program, we've got an ongoing infection control program in Mauritius, right? Which each hospital has got its own unit. So this question of sanitizer, it has been going on. We have been using it since long time because we had uh, H1N1 infection. We have MERS-CoV in Saudi Arabia when our people go for pilgrimage coming back. We have to follow them. So we have different infections that are going on. So the sanitizer has been being used in Mauritius for quite some time now in the different hospitals. So, and up till now, we haven't seen much of side effects of the sanitizer. But we always encourage people to use soap and water whenever it is possible. And when we talk about precautions, especially in between us, in between us as travelers, as human beings moving around, we are social creatures. One of the main measures that was imposed to everybody, especially as, as, uh, as we travel, was the social distancing. Do you think social distancing is effective, is an effective measure for us that prevents contamination, that, that prevents us from being affected? So before we go directly on that subject like social distancing, we should know that 
the mode of infection, how the, the disease is spread. Coronavirus is spread through droplet, except in treating centers where they got aerosols. Most of the time it is spread through droplets from an infected person. And whoever is infected, whatever he cough and he doesn't protect himself, maximum the wire that the droplet can go is one meter. This is the maximum we can go to one meter. Hmm? So to prevent us from getting the direct infection, somebody coughs, somebody sneezes, we inhale that, how you call, that saliva that's coming out with a virus. So it can come to a distance of one meter. So this is where the social distancing said a, max, a minimum of one meter. And some countries it goes up to two meters also. So social distancing, if you stay one meter, one and a half meter, or two meters, more than one meter, you're always protected from somebody who is coughing. He can't cough. That, that virus can, can't, can't come directly to you. But social distancing, it's a one way of preventing the spread of the disease. But social distancing alone, stand alone, won't prevent the spread and transmission of the disease. Social distance, distancing, together with wearing a mask, together with don't touch surfaces because somebody has cough, somebody has sneezed, somebody has spit, it might have virus, it has gone on the table, it has gone on the knob, it has gone on the phone, you touch, you touch your eyes, you touch your nose, you touch your mouth, you get it transmitted. So first thing is, we should know the mode of transmission. Second thing is, we should take appropriate measures. There are certain personal measures and certain collective measures. Personal measures means you wash your hands regularly, before touching your mouth, your face, and your nose, or you use a sanitizer if you don't have soap and water regularly. If you feel that you have touched some subject, some object which is query, query, you wash your hands immediately. This is you're protecting yourself. You don't touch your mouth, nose, and eyes. Secondly is social distancing. Social distancing is also a measure of protecting yourself. And then we have collective measures. Like if you're wearing a mask, you're protecting your neighbor. So if everyone is wearing a mask, everyone is being protected. So this is a collective measure. Cough on your elbow, sneeze on your elbow, don't cough openly. This is a way of protecting your neighbor. It's a collective measure. So there are certain personal measures, there are certain collective measures which we take, hmm? like if we don't go in a crowd, if you don't, if you are sick, you stay at home. If you are having fever and cough, you see a doctor. So all these measures, whether it's collective or personal measures, together with social distancing is going to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. But social distancing alone is not going to do much. Do you think these measures and this, as you mentioned, whether they are personal or, co or collective, would then allow us to travel despite the fact that there is a pandemic going on in the world? 
or we should or we should abstain from traveling you know let's see what's happening we had the first few cases in wuhan in the beginning of january right now it's almost 9 months we have eight, more than 80 million cases in the world we have more than 1.8 million death i think it's one around nearly 1.9 million death in the world we had few cases in wuhan within two months it was declared a pandemic by the who it has gone throughout the world you know the world is very small and it has gone all throughout the world within no time and uh, travel is very risky and if you see one of the advice what the director general of who has given is to avoid unnecessary travel now travel has become very risky because if we are traveling we are doing a pcr test but the pcr we are doing within 3 days sometimes within 5 days even if it's negative it might have been done during the incubation period or you might have been infected before you take the plane so that when you reach the other place you are already positive so doing a pcr is not foolproof now traveling by plane it's not the question of just traveling by plane it's the question of boarding it's a question of traveling the plane it's a question of deplaning and it's a question of going to a security again and going back home so the whole process is risky what do you Wait, think so- of what do you think of safety when it comes to aircrafts a the risk is always there we don't say the risk is not there all the inside the aircraft i don't know now in the beginning of the epidemic they were doing social distancing in the aircraft one seat is free one seat is full but i don't know now i heard that all the planes are coming back nowadays i don't know this is one big problem second problem is in the plane the second problem in the plane is the lunch time everyone is being served food at the same time so everyone is removing the mask at the same time so we don't know who is positive who is negative who is already uh, even in spite of a pcr negative has been staying at home for next two days has been infected we don't know mm. third third problem is in the plane first problem in the plane is the seating arrangements second problem in the plane is the lunch the serving of the lunch or the food lunch or dinner at the, most of the time it is served at the same time so everyone removing the mask at the same time third is a lavatory in spite of the fact that we got a good hepa filter in the plane which catches all the viruses in spite of the fact that the air circulates v- more often than in an office than in your house because you got a system where the air circulates when the air circulates it takes all the particles and the hepa filter will take all the particles this is a plus point but also we have some problems whereby it's risky so it's not foolproof when you came out of the plane you go in the security you go take your luggage you go in the transport 
these are all check check areas where we can get cross contamination. And at the same time, when you're boarding, also the same problem. You're boarding a plane, you go through the, you give your passport to be checked. The passport has been checked. The passport has been given to you in spite of the fact that the, the person working there has been wearing gloves and et cetera. But see that person, he or she has been using, has been uh, seeing so many passports. So the gloves is protecting that, 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 that worker, but the glove is touching other passports. Yeah. And if you have somebody infected and you get your passport, this is another issue. The question, the other issue is boarding pass. I think it's high time to get an electronic boarding pass now. Everyone should have an electronic boarding pass. You go to the security. Now the security will check you. You have to remove everything from your pocket, everything you have to put in that small cubicle, and then you have to take it again. The cubicle goes down. Other people put their things there. There are so many places, if you go one by one, which are risky. So the way out is what? Self-isolation, quarantine, vaccine. What do you think? When you see what's happening now, all the countries are locking down. From UK, people from UK are not out in France. France has locked down. UK has locked down. Several lockdowns. So many countries are going like that. Lockdown, the Seychelles now. Seychelles recently was okay. Now it's locked down. It's closed. Almost everything is closed. So the problem is that we can't remain locked down for a long time. It's not sustainable. Economically, it's not sustainable. Because... This epidemic, this pandemic has led to a humanitarian crisis. And this humanitarian crisis, there are two aspects. One aspect is the sanitary crisis with people getting infected, people dying with all the social problems together with it. And then we have the economic crisis together with it. So you close down. You close, Mauritius is closed. It's open, but under certain conditions. So that anyone coming in with the virus, it goes to the quarantine and then goes to the treatment center. Okay. But the country is closed. How long are we going to keep us closed? Is it sustainable in the long term? Because if you see what's happening in Mauritius itself now, for the past three, four, 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 five months, we got around more than 100 cases which are positive either at D0 when they came from abroad or we got them in the quarantine. And all these have been taken for treatment. Imagine there have been no quarantine. Imagine there have been only self-isolation at home, which is very difficult in the Mauritian aspect. Just because to be self-quarantined, you have a separate toilet, etc., etc., which is very difficult. When we see Mauritius now, Mauritius, we have reached almost like the pre-pandemic time. You go everywhere. You go to the malls. You're going to the malls. You're going to La Croisette. You're going to all these malls. You're going to church. You're going to the mosque. You're going to your temple. You're going to the the, the discotheque. You're going to schools, which is very important. Schools and all these institutions are open. We are encouraging social distancing. And only wearing of masks is compulsory in Mauritius. You see, we have reached a region where we have, again, enjoying the pre-pandemic conditions. 
can we afford to go into a lockdown again? If we go into lockdown again, economically we'll be flat. And opening without quarantine means virus will come in. And opening with quarantine, tourists are not coming in. The tourist sector is down now. People are not working, no money, no, how you call, uh, uh, how you call, devis étrangers, comme on dit en français, the money from abroad, foreign currency coming in. And at the same time, we see many of the people, not, the people working indirectly in the tourist sector, like the beach hawkers, like the restaurants, like the taxis, etc. They're all jobless, not working at all. It, 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 which is tourist industry is one of our major industry in Mauritius, which contributes to more than we can say 10 to 15% of the employment. And at the same time, directly it contributes to around 9% of the GDP and indirectly to around 20%. But now it's down. No country in the world now has got an exit strategy. Means open with certain restrictions, allowing people to come in without getting infection. This exit strategy does not exist anywhere in the world now. I don't know when we'll have an exit strategy. Considering that, okay, as we speak, this week, my family, my my own brother and his wife have been vaccinated in Italy. And we all have been observing the evolution of the vaccine researchers and, and quite, some of us quite skeptically because of the, of the rush of, of the speed of the development of the, yeah. of the vaccines. What are your views about it? You know, we have just started the vaccine, right? Vaccinating people. And all the vaccines, whether you take Moderna, whether you take Pfizer, whether you take AstraZeneca, and for a, how you call, uh, for the, the from, from China, Koroko, I don't know the name, and from one from Russia, we don't have much of the details. All the vaccines, they got about 90% of efficacy. None of them say they are 100% efficacy. First thing. Second thing, we have to do two doses. Hmm? And then third thing is, This is the first time we are doing the vaccine. There is no data at all. It's not so easy. We are vaccinated, means we are free, we can travel. I don't think it's that easy, that's so fast. We have to wait. We have to wait, let it roll out in the population for some time. Because we, I would say that we have so many billion of people in the world. And we have to get a, for us to get an immunity, we have to get 60 to 70% people vaccinated. And let we, after vaccination, let's see the level of antibodies. Let's see the data, how they are going on. And then we can take a decision. It's too early. Do you think, I mean, in, in, in the African sphere, as Mauritius being part of uh, one of the African countries, it, with this peculiarity being an island, uh, and also this comes as a benefit for the, for the population because it's more contained and it, it can be safeguarded easy, much easier mm. than other countries in Africa. Do you see the vaccine as an imposition for the for other countries and for any countries really to restart tourism? I mean, do you think countries will require mandatory vaccine to all the tourists coming into their own territories? This, I, uh, 
there are two things. First thing is there will be like we had yellow fever, like meningitis. It's from country to country to decide. Which country, what will decide? Uh, we can't, I don't think every country will have, it will be one decision for all countries. I think each country will have to take the decision. And the secondly, we have to wait what the uh, WHO also says. We'll have to wait until WHO comes with certain, uh, how we call it, advice or certain resolution as you go to vaccine, as you go to post-vaccine to travel. We don't know. May vaccine itself alone, for me, it won't. It 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 it, it can't prevent the spread of the disease along alone. We and we have to continue complement it with all the preventive measures. It's not that easy to say we vaccinate, we can travel. No. Vaccination. <laughs> and after vaccination, we have to see how the curve is going, whether the number of cases are decreasing in those countries, whether we are getting new cases, new infections is increased, the infections are increasing, whether those who have been vaccinated are not being reinfected. We have so many things to do. And as travelers approaching or considering Mauritius, for the next holiday or the next travel, what will be your word of advice for people approaching travel today? Not necessarily to Mauritius, but in general, like I want to travel. What will be your word of advice? First thing is to avoid unnecessary travel. This is first thing. But if you have to travel, travel is risky because you have to take all your precautions from the time you leave your home hmm, till the time you reach your next destination home or hotel, whatever you want to go in that country. But there is a responsibility of the passenger now. He has to take the responsibility, like social distancing at the airport, not to go in the restaurant without a mask, to touch everything and touch his nose and mouth, means social distancing and all the precautions he has to take also. So there is a responsibility, all the staff at different level and the responsibility of the individual passenger so that the passenger don't get infected. So if everyone take their precautions, the risk will be minimized. Yes. But there's no zero risk. The risk will be minimized, but there's no zero risk. So travel responsibly. You have to travel responsibly as it is, as you are staying in your own country. It's, it's interesting because um, we, have, we have probably a position of privilege in Mauritius where the local population is also a local, like a domestic tourism feeder in a way. There are other countries, mm. other island countries across the Indian Ocean and not only, where there is no such a thing like local tourism, where they only rely upon international oh. tourism. And uh, when we look at the the way the Mauritian population has embraced this new normal, we see that it is a safe country, but we would like to see more consciousness, more awareness, more responsible use of the facilities, the the measurements, the measures in place for 
um, and, and you know, the, a more responsible implementation of the health and safety protocols, a more aware implementation, which I believe over the last few months have gone a little bit relaxed as we, are, as we are considered right. COVID safe. I, I agree with you 100%. I think this is where we have to again boost up our sensitization program. Sensitization program, one thing, and the enforcement of the law. Yes. In law, it says that you have to wear your mask. You have to wear your mask. Otherwise, there are actions to be taken. Yes. It's incredible now, that, that the reinforcement of, of the protocol of wearing a mask and what wearing a mask actually mean and what can do to you and what can do to the others is, mm. is respected when there's a penalty if you don't, rather than the biggest penalty of all, it's first of all losing our health. And that should be on top of everybody's mind. When we talk about traveling again, one of the main factors that is preventing people from traveling again is the fear of traveling, is the fear of cross-contamination in the middle, like when you are moving between place A to place B. So we want to be aware that that we are you, you we are implementing we have the right habits we cultivate a resilient uh, a resilient mindset towards the the approach to the virus and to the outbreak and but also we also want to be aware that we are using the right materials we are using the right mask we are using the right the right detergents the right chemicals soap and water if anything if anything else fails so and i agree with you that's the thing Traveling, for traveling, you rightly said that if you see people are buying wisely, the mindset has changed now. They're not spending money like anything. They are buying wisely. And second thing, you rightly said the fear. The fear of getting infected, contaminated in a different country. The fear that when I go there, there'll be lockdown, I can't come out. Is it wise to open, not get hardly anything, you get hardly anything, and you're allowing the virus to come in. This is debatable. This is a question that we need to really look into. Can we expose the country when we know that we are not going to get that amount of money from tourism if we open just now? But it's not just tourism that is affecting that has been affected by the quarantine and, and you know, the, this, this buffering time between arriving into the country and actually having to do something like, okay, going on to your house or moving on with your life. It's also general business travel. So if a person must go from Mauritius out on a business trip that is crucial for the development of his own business, goes on a business trip and, in, that is an investment in his business, but then comes back and needs to quarantine for for fourteen days. That person might not be might not be able to afford to quarantine, so it it doesn't go on a business trip in the first place. So it's not just about tourism coming in, but it's also people in Mauritius going out. That is, no, it's, that, it's a, I it's agree a, with that. And to the people listening to the podcast, whether they work in hospitality or they travel. And they're passionate about traveling, so they listen to the podcast to understand what going, what's what's really going on behind the scene of traveling. What is the truth behind travel today? 
being aware of what means to travel to us and to the others is the key. And the conversation we had today was instrumental to really sh shine a light on, on what's going on today and what will be going on for the next few months. Because yes, vaccines have been started to have, have been recently uh, starting to being cascaded across countries, yet they're not the answer. And uh, there are many other factors that are involved. And most of all, it's responsible travel that should be always kept on top of our minds. Thank you so much for joining me on the program today. I have enjoyed this conversation and I think was full of valuable insights and wisdom from your expertise and from the current, current set of events in Mauritius. Thank you very much. Thank you. From personal to collective preventive measures, tools and social distancing, as well quarantine and vaccine distribution, today's episode is extremely rich of information and professional advices. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity I had to interview Dr. Gujadur, a conversation that goes much beyond today's episode and that requires each one of us to take action upon to ensure a responsible restart of the tourism and travel. There will be more to come on the next episodes of Truth Behind Travel, the world's first podcast dedicated to travel recovery. Join me as I interview more key opinion leaders of the tourism industry. Subscribe now, follow the link in the show notes, or head over to www.truthbehindtravelpodcast.com. Before I leave you, a little reminder to leave me a review when you can on Apple Podcasts. I love to read your feedback and so do other follow listeners. Thank you. And until next time, travel safe, my friend.